the Jeep Talk Show. Now, two episodes a week. What? Two episodes? Okay. Yes, that's right. Two. Are you excited? I'm always excited when it comes out on Friday. It's actually a go-to podcast that I can actually listen to while I'm getting over to work or on my way home. New episodes every Friday and early Monday morning and time for your commute. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network podcast. Are you ready? It's the Jeep Talk Show with Wendy. There will be body damage. Jeep Mama. Are you sure? Josh. Yeah, I don't think so. And Tony. I think that's a huge deal. So sit back, strap in, and brace yourself. All right, people, you're beginning to get the uh, the feel for this. You need to go over to your social media and friend follow track us down i don't know what it is but go over there i guess it really depends on the software thing that you're using the app that you're using uh but go over there and find us and then when we make a post share it it doesn't even have to be with your friends because we want to get more people listening to this show uh you listen to it so it can't be that bad right (laughs) so (laughs) go over there and share the uh, uh jeep talk show with your friends today you know, it doesn't matter if you have a Jeep, want a Jeep, or anything but Jeeps, this show is for you. Josh, Tammy, Wendy, and myself are here to inform and entertain you while we beg for you to share us on with your friends and Jeeps. <laughs> and Jeeps. Yes, always looking for that attention. Hi, Jeepers. <laughs> I'm Josh. And on this episode of the Jeep Talk Show, we'll hear how a top executive at Jeep is not pulling any punches when it comes to insulting Ford. We'll hear about Jeep and the infamous SEMA Award, and later we'll be talking about carnage with your fellow Jeep Talk Show listeners. Howdy, it's Wendy, and tonight I'm going to share a radiator flushing story. Uh Uh-oh. Hey, everyone, I'm Tammy, a.k.a. Jeep Mama, and coming up on the next episode of Jeep Life, a little history lesson along with I'll share with you a two-day trek we're getting ready to take. Oh, those bathroom acoustics sound good, Tammy. Hey, I'm Tony, and on this week's Gladiator Talk, the word is snorkel. Ooh. <laughs> People are going, oh my God, is that, you can't go through water with a snorkel. You're an idiot. But, you know, wait for it. Then you can determine if I'm an idiot later. <laughs> Local Jeep News, National Jeep News, and news from around the world. It's This Week in Jeep. Well, it was in episode 518 that we shared with you a story of how Jim Morrison, head of the Jeep brand for North America, took a well-earned jab at the Ford Motor Company at a recent event where the press just so happened to be hanging out at. Now, it was made very public because of that, that Ford would likely not be bringing a Bronco to the show since it was raining that weekend. And we all know now that the fiasco Ford is in right now over there are top issues. In an interview with Muscle Cars Magazine, Morrison discussed the company's upcoming 2022 Jeep Grand Cherokee, and in particular, the new Trailhawk 4XE trim level that we just so happened to also have been reporting on in episode 518. The plug-in hybrid is intended to be the most capable off-road model of the Grand Cherokee lineup and reportedly was even able to tackle the Rubicon Trail pretty much in stock form. Morrison used this example to once again hit Ford where it counts. He said he would actually feel sorry for Ford Explorer Timberline customers that get tricked, asserting that the Trailhawk's closest rival would not be able to keep up off-road. As if that blow wasn't enough, Jim Morrison then hit Ford below the belt with this. He says, quote, You can paint a tow hook red. But it doesn't mean that behind that tow hook, it would even hold up in the right moments that it needed to. (laughs) He wasn't done there either. No, he went on to point out that using a press photo of the Trailhawk trim Grand Cherokee 
pointing out that in said picture, the Jeep was climbing a 65-grade incline and that the Ford Explorer would not have even ever made it that far. Jim is clearly going all out to pull the rug out from underneath Ford, and he's not being shy about it. So here, wow. I'm, cheers. Hats off to Jim Morrison. Good, Good for him for a Seta. You know what? <laughs> manly men doing manly things, making fun of uh. other people. <laughs> <laughs> So, so yeah, when you I mean, said when you said hit of- below the belt, I would have said hit hit below the IFS. That that would have been the place to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really, there's no comparison. Uh, Ford is trying; they're trying their hardest to to finally compete with Jeep, uh, and they're just they're just falling flat on their face. It's I'm sorry, yeah. Ford, but you know, good it's, luck next time. It can't be that difficult to make a good off road vehicle, but I think the problem here is is that they're trying to do it for a certain price. It's the it's the profit right. thing that's that's killing them. Uh, and and at, at the direct compa- competition with you know who has been the king of the hill for seventy five plus years. Right. Uh, you know Ford is is a little bit late to the game, and, and they certainly don't have the heritage when it comes to off road engineering to even hold a candle against anything that Jeep has got. So I posted up on um, our Instagram account, Jeep Talk Show Instagram account, a video that I saw on. Uh, I yes, know, I saw it. it was flagged for being inappropriate. You should really be. I know that. I know this gets compl- complex with all that I'm doing here. But uh, from the TikTok, where somebody was driving a Ford Bronco with the traditional now bent in and out wheels. Oh, yeah, I saw that picture. Holy, <laughs> yes. what do they call that? Pigeon toad or yeah. something like that? Yeah, yeah where it's yeah, just fully cocked. So, yeah, a lot of breakage on the, on the Well, it's, the, right it's the whole IFS thing. And, you know, IFS can be built strong. I don't think it'll ever be built as strong as what you could do a solid front axle, but it can be built strong, but at what cost? And that's, right. that's, and that's the reason why I say is that this is, I mean, these are going to be, uh, well, it goes back to the same thing we talk a lot about, about is the, the people that buy Wranglers, not very many of them are going to take them off-road. And if you buy a Bronco because you want to have that Bronco, that four-wheel drive, I'm sure Ford is gambling. that It's, it's going to be okay because not that many people are going to take it off-road, except for the people that do, and then put it up on Instagram. <laughs> and show it. <laughs> yeah, and show it. So realize, what I did today. Oops. No, you shouldn't have. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it, 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 you know, you can you can uh, do the you can have the same problem with a with a uh, with a Wrangler uh, if you have yeah. if you're doing it uh, wheeling too hard and you. Uh, uh, oh, absolutely. I suppose. Yeah, yeah I mean, you, I've seen them, but you know, the, the tie rod yeah. is just not going to handle it, and uh, but you, but it takes a lot more, and you could do it for a lot cheaper when you start doing it with IFS. You can't do a lot more with a lot less. It, it's the other way around. It's going to cost you a no, lot and more. No, the trail repair is going to be insane. Yeah. And you're likely not going to make it off the trail. But. Yeah. And if you like IFS, just get you a side-by-side and, and, and do it that way. There you go. Well, I think uh, just about most of us here on the show and those uh, related to the show know about SEMA, uh, the Specialty Equipment Market Association. SEMA, a member organization dedicated to advancing the automotive and automotive aftermarket industries. They've announced their finalists for the 2021 SEMA Award, a recognition presented to new vehicle models that provide the aftermarket with the best uh, platforms for customization. Voted on by SEMA show exhibitors, winners will be announced at the annual trade-only event on November 2nd through the 5th in Las Vegas, Nevada, where the show has been held since 1984. This uh, award program includes a new category for mid-sized trucks, first for this year, which the Gladiator has taken center stage in. The other categories include car, full-size truck, 4x4 SUV, and sport compact. 
Exhibitors are identified. Uh, exhibitors have identified the top three finalists in each category that best showcase their products and the accessories that go with them. Now, although Jeep doesn't have a vehicle for every single category, the Wrangler is certainly taking center stage in the 4x4 SUV of the year category, too. The Ram truck from Jeep's parent company, Stellantis, is making waves as it gets a nominee for the full-size truck of the year. All in all, Jeep and its parent company have a vehicle in every category but Car of the Year and Sport Compact of the Year. What? You you weren't expecting the Compass or Renegade to get a nod for Sport <laughs> Compact, did you? Come on that's now. Not, that's not going to happen. But uh, regardless, all vehicles from all these categories represent today's most popular models based on their potential for customization. Aftermarket manufacturers are investing in these vehicles specifically for their ability to have upgraded performance, styling, comfort, convenience, and safety. The award program creates awareness for aftermarket products and highlights ongoing collaboration between SEMA, automakers, and aftermarket manufacturers to bring quality products to market. SEMA also helps aftermarket manufacturers with product development through the SEMA Garage, measuring sessions, 3D printing, technology transfer, and more. If you'd like to learn more about the SEMA show and all it entails, I highly encourage you to do so. There's a lot to learn there. We'll have a link for you in the show notes for this episode at JeepTalkShow.com. Now, no. Tony, now, you've it, been to SEMA. It, isn't it you've true? Actually, well, I was going to say, now, Tony's actually been to SEMA at least once. I've been trying to go for decades. Uh, I've worked in the industry for for a long time. I had access to go, but never uh, the ability or uh, or funds to make it happen. Um, the last several years, I've, I've gotten some invites. Again, haven't been able to make it happen. Uh, Tony, however, was able to go on behalf of the show recently. Was that 2018, 2019 uh, that you made it to the SEMA show? I think it was 19. Yeah. That'd be so cool. What were you, what were you going to say, Wendy? I was going to ask if it truly, if it's still, you have to be in the industry or know somebody to get in. You can't just be somebody from the outside going, hey, I think I'll do that show this weekend. I'll show up and get in. I think you have to, you have to know somebody. Yeah, you, you have to be in the industry, to. right? Yeah, we got in because of media. And uh, actually, all, all three of us could, uh, or all four of us for that matter, uh, could uh, could go to the show as uh, as media. But uh, if you're a buyer, uh, you can go and you, know, you basically right. have to fill out a form uh, asking, uh, uh, can I come? And this is my credentials and so on and so forth. And we recently received an, an email from SEMA saying we were uh, uh, pre-approved as media. All, we had to, all I have to do is just go in there and fill it out. Uh, I'm not going to be going this year um, w- you know, with the other expenses that we've been having uh, for the show. Uh, it's just not something I can, uh, uh, I can afford to do personally. But um, that uh, I was going to say, if you have a way of getting into the show, which, you know, Wendy, you brought up, you have to, you, you have to be uh, in the industry to, to be able to go. Uh, I highly recommend it. It's a lot of fun. It's, it's eye candy, 24-7 eye candy, or 360 anyway, 363 eye candy, anywhere you look. And uh, I, I just wish they'd get all those damn cars out of there. <laughs> <laughs> what? And just, there are, there are just Jeeps. Lot. And just have Jeeps? Yeah. And, that, and then Tony's going to say, and make them all red. Well, <laughs> yes. uh, you know, you do the first thing, and then you work on the next. So. Oh, geez. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> now, it would be awesome for us to actually have a booth at SEMA. Oh, I'd love that. That would be awesome. All the questions of... What is the Jeep talk show? Do you guys sell Jeeps? Oh, yeah. I don't know. What is that? Yeah. Who are you? What do you make? <laughs> we have the these rat. Wait, wait. We have <laughs> we have these rat bastard tags. You know, we can hand out. To oh, the we, get, we could get Deadpool you to know? dress up in the rat bastard outfit that he's been bugging That's me about. That's right. We could do it. We he said he'll do it. A lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> 
I am dancing around the booth at SEMA. What could possibly go wrong? (laughs) Selling cars. Selling cars for South Fork Crosser Dodge Jeep Ram and (laughs) pulling people over for the Jeep Talk Show. (laughs) So there there was talks about possibly getting uh, one of us here from the show to get out to SEMA this year. Uh, I think what we're going to do instead of that, um, possibly look forward uh, to next year. Uh, 2022 and possibly getting uh, at least a couple members from the Jeep Talk Show over to the Easter Jeep Safari. I think uh, our money would be better well spent, uh, you know, making an appearance at the Easter Jeep Safari versus at SEMA, uh, despite how fun it would be and as much uh, content creation as we could create uh, being at SEMA. Uh, that will be, have to be saved for uh, possibly 2023 or maybe even 20 later in 2022. So, but uh, the Jeep Talk Show will be uh, crashing SEMA again in the near future, just not 2021. Well, if you have a news tip or response to any one of our stories, be sure to let us know what you have to say. You can do it by phone or by email. Just head over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact to find out how to reach out. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network podcast. Well, you most certainly are, you lucky listener, you. And if you're new to the Jeep Talk Show and you don't know about the 4x4 Radio Network, well, it's a one-stop shop for all your off-road podcasting needs. We've got something for everybody, even non-Jeepers, over at the 4x4 Radio Network website. On the Trail Podcast is there, Trail Chasers, the Center Steer Podcast, the 4x4 Podcast as well, World Famous there, and of course, the Jeep Talk Show is Obviously, they're going to be there as well. Lots of great off-road shows. It's all for free. It's all in one spot. All you got to type in is the number four. The letter X, the number four, and then radionetwork.com. All one word, four by four, radionetwork.com. We'll see you there. So, by the way, Josh, uh, the uh, the folks in the Zoom meeting tonight were talking about, uh, uh, they were using the phrase, well, you know, the Jeep Talk Show is the world's most downloaded Jeep podcast. Yes. Yes, it most certainly is. <laughs> Good. <laughs> so, so, they're listening. It's not just the Zoom, you know, talking about the Zoom. They're, they're listening to the show, too. Of course, you, I think you've said that about, about 7 billion times over the last two yes. years. Well, at least 500 or so. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> at least. That's that's billion with an M. Hello, this is Isaac95YJ. And I am calling about your tech talk. And just I've got some more, some more tips in regards to fiberglassing. I'm no expert, but I have done a little bit of modeling with fiberglass. And I did patch a hole in my brother's motorcycle and one of his body panels. And what I found worked really well was instead of using masking tape and then duct tape over that, I used what I believe was some plastic from like a five-quart ice cream pail. And I cut that to be just a little larger than the opening that I was patching up. And then I took some carnival wax and waxed down the surface of the plastic, put that up as the what ended up being the face of the body panel that I was repairing, and then taped that down with duct tape or whatever, you know, nice strong adhesive tape that you have. And then when you apply the fiberglass on the inside, you already have a real nice smooth finish that it's coming off on. Again, that was just what worked for me. I'm not saying that's the only right way, but it worked for me and it had a real nice finish. And you could push on it some, and it had some rigidity to it since it was a little heavier gauge plastic. Um, if you notice that it's warping because it's not a real flat she- uh, flat sheet of plastic, a uh, heat dryer or hair dryer or a heat gun, mm-hmm. lightly applying can help to get rid of that. But if you put too much heat on it, you'll just warp it even worse. So all things in moderation worked out great for me. Um, yeah, that was my idea or my, my suggestion. 
Love the show. Try and listen every week. And uh, unfortunately, I'm still a rat bastard. But I love the show nonetheless. I'll talk to you guys later. There is no try. There is either do or don't. Or do, or do not. <laughs> That's tough. Now, Isaac and I have uh, emailed back and forth a couple times uh, outside the show. Uh, thanks for uh, calling in, Isaac. Really appreciate that that tip. Uh, now, what Isaac's referring to is a multi-part series that we currently have going on with uh, using uh, some fiberglassing techniques to repair the fiberglass hardtop on a Jeep should you incur some damage. Uh, this week uh, of the Jeep Talk Show is going to be skipping the... Uh, uh, the Tech Talk uh, until episode 523. It will be back. So uh, for those of you I know are, uh, are looking forward to, uh, to the next uh, multi-part segment of the uh, hard top repair here at the Jeep Talk Show, Tech Talk, uh, look for that returning on episode 523. Noob. What? Where's the noob? Noob. 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 Hey, noobie. Nugget. It's time for Newbie Nuggets. So Bill decided the Jeep needed a bigger radiator, and as we know, while you're in there, happens. Mm. As most Mm -hmm. of you who listen to the show regularly know, we have a 2008 JKU Rubicon running 37-inch tires and 488 gears. This is normally a great combination for most things we do with our Jeep, and overheating is rarely an issue. However, we live in the mountains, and some of our runs are down off the hill, as we say. The problem is when we have to return back up the hill. The 2008 Jeep transmission, as you know, is a dog and has horrible shift points, and it is impossible to keep the engine RPM in the proper torque curve necessary to keep good power rolling uphill. This usually means we are in second gear doing around 40 to 50 at about 4,000 RPM, waving people to go around. Wow. Not ideal. It really puts a stress and load on the engine. It also means that the Jeep has a tendency to overheat on warm days. You know, anywhere above 70 degrees. (laughs) So Bill did some research and found an all-aluminum JK radiator from AFE with almost double the heat exchange surface. He was pretty sure this would fix our problem. Certainly couldn't hurt. He received the radiator and began the installation. Other than a small modification to the fan shroud, it was a clean bolt-in project. However, as we all know and have experienced, while you're in there, you always find something else that needs attention. In this case, the upper and lower radiator hoses had about 99,000 miles on them, and they crackled and crunched (laughs) as they were removed. Usually not a sound you should hear from rubber products. So, Mm -hmm. that meant new hoses. No problem. He ordered them and got them installed after a few days. Now for the fun part. Most coolants or antifreeze are good for about 100,000 miles. Well, when Bill drained the old radiator... Blew it into the clear gallon jug. He said it looked like mud, not anything remotely looking like antifreeze. Again, no problem. Just do a flush, he says. So since all the antifreeze never drains from the engine block and heater core located inside the cab, the proper way to exchange the old antifreeze with the new antifreeze is to do a flush. The best is to refill the radiator with distilled water, run it to temperature, maybe even take it for a drive to get it flowing really well, drain it, lather, rinse, repeat, until you start to get clear water draining out of the radiator. Well, nine drain refill cycles later, and a second trip to the market for more distilled water, Bill finally got the fluid clean enough for his (laughs) liking and put in the new recommended antifreeze fluid. He's finally confident and happy with the results. Now, at this point, it's also worth mentioning that Bill is not the most patient man. So his method, including draining the hot radiator into the old water jugs without waiting for the cooling system to cool, (laughs) not really a problem. (laughs) 
He attached a clear hose to the drain pet petcock on the bottom of the radiator so he could observe the fluid draining into the clear jug and switch the jugs out if it looked like it was going to overflow. This process actually worked really well without spilling a drop and the process is going well. But I did mention that Bill isn't the most patient man, right? On one of these iterations draining a hot radiator, Bill looked at the drain hose as it was draining and it appeared to him that the fluid was only trickling out, indicating the pressure had been relieved from the cooling system and radiator. Not being totally stupid, he folded up a large towel and grabbed the radiator cap, twisting it slowly so as not to, not to allow it to pop off, just in case it was still under pressure. He didn't want to get scalded. It made a hissing sound that he interpreted as sucking since the fluid was only <laughs> dribbling out by this time. Oh. Nope, it wasn't sucking. Fortunately, Bill's smart enough to stay clear just in case, and this was one of those times. When he turned the cap to its final release position, it blew off. He said it looked just like Old Faithful in Yellowstone. Yep. He darted out of the way and didn't get burned, but had the sweet smell and taste of antifreeze on him and his clothes for the rest of the day. Now, he was working under a tree outside his shop that's about 30 foot tall. The antifreeze was literally dripping from the branches almost at the top of the tree. I only wish I could have been there with the camera and taken pictures, or better yet, video. Hey, Bill, let me know next time you try something like this so I can be ready. <clears throat> the added benefit from this little mishap was that he was able to flush more fluid than the other cycles. Although he doesn't recommend this method, it, it did work out well in the end, aside from the added cleanup that he now has to do. Now that everything is topped off with new antifreeze, Bill noticed a huge reduction in the temperature gauge coming back up the hill yesterday. So he said it was definitely worth the money, effort, smell, taste, and cleanup. Now, for those of you that are not comfortable with wrenching on your own Jeep, it's recommended to find a reputable shop and pay someone else to do this for you. I, I would have to agree. So, guys, I'm sure after wrenching on your own cars for years that you have stories to tell that might be slightly embarrassing. You know, the kind when it happens, you quickly look around to see, did anybody see your stupid move? <laughs> so, just like uh, cooking bacon, never uh, take the cap of your radiator off uh, while not wearing a shirt. You have to, or, or pants for that matter. Yikes. I know. <laughs> so uh, I what know. What you didn't mention was, is that right after that, the uh, Jeep ran out of gas. <laughs> yeah. God. Going, you know, <laughs> sitting still. Because, you know, you got to roll in all those mistakes into one thing, you know, just to, to get the full effect. Yeah. Well, just for the listeners, there's a picture in the show notes showing the starting jug of how dark and dingy that is all the way to the clear. So you can kind of get a good visual of what cleansing and flushing that would look like and trying to get it to come out clear. So yeah. hopefully this yes. will make a difference for us. There's absolutely nothing wrong with uh, with a new radiator. It's always a great idea because silting can occur. At least uh, that was my oh, yeah. uh, experience with the XJ and the bottom part of that, that very narrow radiator wouldn't be used for anything except silt. And uh, yeah. But I suspect that your cooling issue was all the stuff that he was flushing out. So, oh, I'm sure. Uh, but 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 it's going to you know the higher density uh, radiator certainly going to help. But I bet you see a uh, a, a big difference. So like you already said, you, I think you're going to see a, a big difference in the cooling. Now I will. What 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 time of the year does it get cold uh, where you are, uh, Wendy? Kind of now, but mostly November ish. November, November, December. So yeah, uh, I will predict uh, November ish. Uh, right, probably at the first cold spell. Is whenever your heater core is going to start leaking. <laughs> okay, good. Oh, <laughs> oh, you know what? I'll just put that on the list. <laughs> yeah. Here, Bill. 
<laughs> yeah. your next thing to do. Well, that, that's the bad thing about all that all that debris that's being flushed out of there. Sometimes it's the heater core that all the debris is coming from. It was funny when Bill was telling me the story and we're getting it down and writing for the show. And he is laughing so hard because it's one of those, he knows better. Luckily, he didn't get burned or hurt, you oh, know, yeah. but at the same time, he just said the look on his face when that gusher's coming out. He said, and it's just, it's everywhere. He had to clean everything in the Jeep. It's did, it's just funny. Thank goodness we had the top on, right? Did he Imagine. find out, did he find out why it was trickling? I mean, I understand what where he, his thought process was the... Uh, the petcock yeah. not turned all the way open or something, or I don't know. He didn't say exactly yeah. what he discovered. I think he was more holy cow. I I avoided something dangerous went, here. Went and played the lottery after that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, something like that. So I was gonna say I I shared I don't know it was in the last within the last ten episodes or so uh, a story about uh, working on a buddy's jeep recently. Uh, and again in the last ten weeks or so, uh, a Cherokee in my driveway. Um. He had taken his front drive line out to have it rebalanced, and he came over to uh, to have uh, you know have some help replacing some U joints uh, in his rear drive line. Um, and so we're removing his rear drive line with his Jeep in my driveway that is slanted slightly, um, and uh, take off one U bolt or U uh, you know U joint cap and uh, start removing the other. Uh, and all of a sudden the Jeep starts rolling. Why is the Jeep rolling? What? What's going on? We're underneath. The oh shit! Get out of the way! Get out of the way! Get out! You know, and all of a sudden it's like, <laughs> yeah, jackass! You had the jeep in park on a driveway with a tilt to it, and you removed the drive line. What do you think's gonna happen? <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> Those, uh, you dumbass! <laughs> of course, it's a stupid move. And yeah, you know, you should have thought. You know, chalk the tires and you know, think ahead of what you're doing and pay attention to what you're doing. All that sort of stuff. I don't know what the hell I was thinking. I was, you know, just. The task at hand, you know, thinking, oh, yeah, you got it, you know, this yep. comes off, you know, what's the next step and do that. Not paying attention to the fact that he had his front drive line removed. I knew that he <laughs> had his front drive line removed. It's not like we talked about it or anything. This is right. the point of Just knew it. conversation, yeah. you know, from the weeks prior, but I, yeah. I wasn't thinking about it. I was thinking more about the task at hand, not, you know, the condition of the Jeep. So, yeah, that was that was a very stupid move. That, that again, that one of those things that could have, uh, you know, cost some injury been- or something well like yeah. i like to say you either use a wheel chalk or you will become the wheel chalk exactly <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh well do you have a topic or suggestion for newbie nuggets i'd love to hear from you check out our youtube channel at trails 411 for great content with lots of tips tricks and techniques you remember uh, i told you guys that those uh, wiper blades you were talking about were way too damned expensive yes oh, yeah. i'm not the only one that thinks so <laughs> hey guys, listening to episode 515, playing catch up on a bunch of episodes I missed. I uh, was listening to everybody talk about windshield wipers and everybody talking about how they were spending like 20 or $25 for a wiper blade. That's, even for a pair, that's ludicrous. Uh, don't buy wiper blades locally or on Amazon unless they're on sale or something. Just go on Rock Auto, seriously. Go on Rock Auto. I just pulled up the uh, Rock Auto page for a 2001 Wrangler. If you just want the regular, standard, old uh, frame-type wiper blade, you can even get Hella brand wiper blades for $2.15 a blade. Uh, And the most expensive beam-style wiper blade they have on there is just under $9. Um, Oh, my gosh. I personally run mine on a uh, a, uh, six-month rotation. Every six months, I put a new set of wiper blades on there. That's probably excessive. 
but I, I never have problems with streaking. And for five dollars a wiper blade, I'm not real. I'm not really worried about it. I'm spending maybe twenty dollars a year on wiper blades. Anyway, I uh, just wanted to throw that out there. Don't spend a bunch of money on wiper blades. Just go to Rock Auto. Yeah, you got to pay for shipping, but even with shipping, if you're paying twenty dollars for a wiper blade locally, you're still saving a ton of money. Good God. I was thinking wow. uh, I, I, I was thinking eight bucks no a year idea. for for the two dollar ones. <laughs> Look, I mean, I I've I, I've spent hundreds, if not thousands, of dollars on Rock Auto over the years. Yeah. I yeah. never knew. That. Never thought about like it. Yeah. Blades. Yeah. Never such thought about. That's a great tip. And at two, so and at two bucks, it doesn't. You know, shipping's not that bad. No, no, no joke. I'm, I'm actually, I'm on the Rock Auto website right now. I was like, no way, seriously. So I, yeah. to, you know, do some fact checking here really quick, and just happening to look, you know, for my Rock Auto 1999 Jeep Cherokee, uh, I can get a wiper blade for a dollar thirty two. Holy cow! So uh, I cannot believe that. <laughs> re- researching these more expensive blades, I did find out that they are uh, a, a, a polymer full of the Rainex chemical, uh, right. LED light strip. And Bluetooth speaker, all things in the one wiper. So I, now it makes sense why they're fifty bucks a piece. <laughs> uh, the most expensive blade I'm seeing on here is an actual Mopar OEM blade, uh, seventeen dollars and forty eight cents. That's oh just God. incredible, just incredible. Yeah, that's so it, uh, amazing, uh, excellent advice. Uh, so yes, thank you thank for, you for our calling. listener Josh calling in and, and letting us know. For everybody out there, you seriously, yeah. I mean. You'd be dumb not to buy wiper blades uh, at Rock Auto. I mean that that is amazing, and I think it, once you get to a certain point, uh, the the shipping becomes free or something. Yeah, they I sometimes offer free yeah. shipping or something. I I don't know. Well, you know, uh, but while regardless. you're in there shopping, yeah, yeah. you can get all kinds <laughs> yeah, of things. Yeah, exactly. You know, you're gonna find uh, you know you know, something else you can buy in there. So yeah, thanks, Josh. Uh, hats off to you, man. Big fat Jeep wave goes out to Josh for some awesome advice. Thanks, man. Gladiator. My name is Gladiator. Gladiators. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Is this not why you are here? Gladiator. Well, we've mentioned snorkels here before, and while they can be used for transversing high water, they really were created for dusty trails. Get that cleaner or clean air from higher above the ground. Wait, are you going to put one on your Jeep? Is that what you're saying? I didn't think Texas had an issue with water and you had to put a snorkel on did you did you mention i mean did you miss the uh, discussion about being out of the jeep event and how dusty it was did you see <laughs> how high I did. That dust that how high that dust was carrying well that, that's why i say cleaner <laughs> so so what are you talking about like a 20 foot lift on that thing what are you going to do we're, i mean come talk, on we're talking Thanks. about eight parts per million difference <laughs> <laughs> So the other great thing about a snorkel is cold air, or at least cooler air than uh, is in the engine bay. From the first time I saw the ads for cold air intakes costing hundreds of dollars, I was shocked to see it was still in the engine bay. Seemed to me the cold air isn't in the engine bay unless you're in the Arctic and you haven't started to motor yet. Or you're in the high elevations like Josh and I are, and it's cold all the time. <laughs> So I was very impressed with the Rugged Ridge Snorkel for the Jeep JL and the uh, Jeep JT Gladiator. Other than uh, being a true cold air intake and sucking in air that is less dusty, there are no holes to cut into the hood, and it won't cover up that beautiful Jeep Talk Show sticker. Well, I guess there's a plus in everything. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> so the snorkel uh, is uh, 100% remove, remove, uh, removable, and I can put it back to factory at any time. It comes with a high snorkel or a low snorkel. Many of you will remember the XJ, and I think this is true for the TJs, where they're cow, uh, with their cow snorkels, where you just uh, would suck the air in from the grill just under the windshield wiper blades. Well, this thing is similar to that, except it's actually sucking it in from the side. It's really neat because you can have it down low, and it actually looks just like a, a factory piece uh, on the side of the Gladiator, you know, that little vent that's on the, uh, the fenders. Right. It, it looks yeah. similar to that. And it's actually sucking in air, and it's getting that colder air from outside uh, the engine bay. Now, isn't that a low-pressure area, though? I, I would think that, that as the Jeep, the faster the Jeep moves you know, down the road or down the trail, whatever one you, whichever one you want to pick there, uh, that the, the faster the Jeep moves, the, the, the less air pressure there will be in certain areas. Uh, and I would think that right in that area, there would be a little bit of a ridge of low pressure that, that would make it a little bit more difficult to bring in cold air. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just uh, speculating. I would, I would think that since the engine uh, basically is an air pump, that uh, you would have to have quite a bit of a, an issue oh, sure. but to, to not be able to get enough air in the, into the engine, although it might decrease its... Uh, performance you know if, it, if it's having to struggle to get more air in there certainly the the high uh snorkel uh, should uh, compensate for that and uh, the other thing uh, i didn't mention here is the uh, you have those uh what is it not oil thing the little round thing that you can put on top for dusty environments uh the the like, dust like trap sock? call them a dust like sock, a sock probably yeah something like that but they're round has glass and it separates the dust out to keep it from going into the engine doesn't ring a bell. Hmm. I'll have to look that up for next time. Anyway, yeah, I've uh, <laughs> I've gone back to our friends at Northridge Four by Four in order uh, to uh, order this Rugged Ridge snorkel, and I found a one hundred dollar off coupon. Plus, wow. you're not going to share with anybody. <laughs> plus, That's right. <laughs> I don't remember what it is. Uh, plus, they have free shipping First on time. orders over seventy dollars. I'm expecting delivery next Tuesday, and wow. uh, I will have a surprise for this install that I'll be talking about in an upcoming episode. Uh, Discord people, you know already know about what the surprise I'm talking about, so don't spill the beans. Wait, You're gonna what the have heck's a color coded paint match to so it yeah. looks like it's red, like the vehicle. I'm guessing. Oh. You'll have to wait. He's see. smiling. You'll He's have to smiling, wait and see. So I, I think I, of I think course, because you I said the word at least somewhat you said close. The word red. Oh yeah, I yeah, smile anytime I hear red. Yeah, yeah. red just like gets him going. <laughs> Forget it. But but seriously, what the heck is Discord? I don't understand how that applies into your snorkel. Well, uh, Discord is the easy uh, way to talk over voice, video, and text. Uh, uh, talk, chat, hang out, and stay close with your friends and communities. And of course, we've started one for the Jeep Talk Show. You can use oh, your desktop, right. your laptop, your tablet, or smartphone. It's free. And if you uh, go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact, you'll see how to join the JTS Discord server. You guys need to sign up. There was, there was all kinds of shenanigans going on, going on this morning in the, uh, the Discord server. Yeah, no, I, just, I forget to check it. Yeah, exactly. It's so hard. And half the time when I get on, you guys are done talking. I'm like, where is the te- where's the information? Oh, that's right. Because yeah, it's, it's uh, you're, time you guys zone. are two yeah, time, different time zones, way behind. That's right. Way west. That's it. Josh and I are way behind. Thanks, Tony. So I'm looking forward <laughs> to getting this uh, Rugged Ridge uh, snorkel. And I really, really wasn't going to go the snorkel route. But when I saw this and how it requires no drilling on the or cutting of the hood, uh, there, there's yeah, just some, you got it. 
Some slight notching. I'm sorry? You got a sweet price on it, too. I mean, $100 yeah, off uh, yeah, yeah. shipping. And well, plus free shipping. It's, all, it's all relative. The damn thing's expensive uh, for plastic, is, is what I always say. But uh, it did make a difference for the XJ, and uh, so this will it'll be fun to have it on there, and I will be getting that uh, that thing that goes on top. Damn it, I should have looked that up, because uh, that would have been... Pre-filter? Uh, is that the word you're going pre-filter, for? Pre-filter. That's it. That's exactly okay. it. Pre-filter. Yep, 70 bucks uh, for the pre-filter, but... Uh, you, wow. can, you can use it to make coffee in with that glass bowl. So it works. Uh, it it kind of does double duty. <laughs> so anyway, I hope you guys are enjoying these uh, these gladiator segments. We're certainly enjoying uh, talking about them. Well, I am. I don't think uh, I don't think <laughs> Wendy and Josh give a rat's ass. So. <laughs> well, I'm I'm, I'm kind of curious because I, I, as you're kind of talking about this thing, I'm looking it up, and um, they, they talk about how this particular snorkel system is is a modular design. And how it's going to allow for addition of other snorkel components at a later date. Do you it, have it depends any on idea the kit. what that? Yeah, it depends okay. on the kit that you get. They make a okay. low snorkel version. They make a high snorkel version, and they have a low high, which is that that low portion I was telling you about, where it mm-hmm. just sits down there uh, low on the side of the fender. And then the 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 high version is like you what you um, more likely think of a snorkel, where it sits up uh, over the top okay. of the of the uh, the windshield. And um, the uh, I think that's I think that's kind of it for as far as what the the, the, the kit goes, other than that uh, pre-filter that we were talking about, right? Which I'm trying to uh, quickly look up because I want to make sure I've uh, uh, calling the right thing. I mean, you can uh, you can buy various components um, uh, for it, but uh, yeah, there is snorkel pre-filter. It it looks like a little bowl. And it's got a glass metal. And uh, I think it uh, helps separate the uh, the dust coming into the uh, into the snorkel, and I guarantee right. I'll have that before I go out to uh, Hidden Falls again. Because good oh, lord, sure. you saw it for yourself how dusty it was. Well, so I mean, it, it was you know August. How, how does it you know. how does it attach, Tony? If you're not drilling into the vehicles, like clips or snaps or the how's uh, it the cowl, you know that that little curvy piece on uh-huh. the on the side of uh, all the Wranglers. Uh, that, yeah. that cowl comes off, and then the oh. Rugged Ridge cowl goes on there, and Got then it, it has okay. a fitting uh, to go on that, and then it has a little tube that runs uh, underneath the hood to the uh, the factory uh, airbox. There are a Got couple it. of airbox modifications you have to make, but nothing nothing permanent. Sounds good. Can't wait to hear what happens. Yep, yep, yep. Why did you become a paid subscriber to the Jeep Talk Show? Jeep Talk Show is in my weekly rotation. Look forward to it every week, each and every Friday. You can be a paid subscriber and help support the show you love, the Jeep Talk Show. I support a great podcast, been a lifelong Jeeper myself, continue to learn with each and every episode that I listen to. Just go to JeepTalkShow.com and look for the big yellow subscribe button. Absolutely. If you like Jeeps, anything to do with Jeeps, I like it for the, the technical, clear content, uh, advice, and learning. Well, you are correct, Chris. And uh, I, don't, I don't know if Chris is a rat bastard or not. We'll say he is, just for uh, just for the fun. <laughs> but you don't have to be a rat bastard. You can be a paid subscriber to the Jeep Talk Show. And and due to some technical issues, and it's completely my fault because I'm in charge of all the technical stuff. We've been getting a buttload of paid subscribers, guys. I did wow. not know this. So, good. so this there there was some sad news uh, that goes along with this, but it's actually good news because the sad news is I've been lying. Josh is still stuck in Marble Falls, 
We just got all his equipment uh, transferred over there so he could be on the show. But the with all these new, yeah, with all these, yeah. with all these new paid subscribers, Josh is going home. Yay! Josh gets to go home. Woohoo! Can't wait. I need new underwear so bad. You know, there's no washroom facilities here, right? That's uh, okay. It's it's cheaper that way. <laughs> So via paid subscriber, go over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and see how you can become a paid subscriber today. From the mind of Nikki G. Hey, this is Nikki G. Um, I just caught the show and Tony talked about carrying some passengers in your new Jeep Gladiator, which, by the way, I didn't know you got. And you said it could easily fit five adults with no problems. Uh, that's ridiculous. I don't think you know five adults without any problems. <laughs> and that's exactly why I'm calling. But if I wasn't to call to tell you that, it would be to tell you that I just explained to my four-year-old nephew that it's perfectly normal to accidentally poop in your pants every once in a while. Oh, yeah, and he still makes fun of me. <laughs> that's a stinker. All right, boys and girls, I'll chat at you later. You have a good one. Oh Bye. I think uh, with uh, Josh, you, and Chris and the uh, the Gladiator, that was the this that's the maximum number of adults I've ever had in the Gladiator. I mean, I I think that even with uh, the family here, only three of us have been in the Gladiator at any uh, one time. How many people do you know that's over six foot two that have been in the Gladiator? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, everybody that's been in there before is uh, five four or shorter. So yeah, <laughs> so, so there you Chris, go. Chris is, I think, six four, six five. I'm six three, six two and a half, somewhere around there. I think I shrunk a little bit after my back surgery, but uh, but yeah, I mean, we're both tall guys. Well, and, remeasure yeah. and get back to us. I don't like inaccurate information. Five ten seven inch, damn it! There you go. Exactly. Get the calipers out. <laughs> Hey guys, and I'm still playing catch up. I'm on uh, episode 517, the roundtable discussion, 517 special. Uh, there apparently there's still a bunch of confusion about uh, GMRS specifically frequencies and what you can and can't use. Uh, as of the as of 2017, FRS and GMRS share all the same frequencies, except for the GMRS re- repeater inputs. <clears throat> The, uh, if you have an FRS radio, you can use 1 through 22. You're not, you, if you've got a GMRS radio and you're on 16, like Tony said, or Tony used, used it as an example, you can still talk to FRS radios and they can still talk to you. Uh, the only differences are power limits and bandwidth limits. So for 1 through 7, FRS is limited to 2 watts. GMRS is limited to 5 watts. For 8 through 14, both services are limited to a half a watt, 0.5 watts, and they both have to be narrowband. FRS is narrowband no matter where you're at. GMRS is narrowband everywhere but uh, um, 8 through 14. And then the last, uh, the 15 through 22, again, FRS is limited to 2 watts. GMRS is limited to 50 watts, and then your your repeater inputs that the FRS radios can't get to, those are also 50 watts on GMRS. Uh, as for uh, pricing, I just renewed like two or three weeks ago, and it still cost me $70. Uh, 
So I don't know what's going on there. I guess I heard somebody say that they for sure paid $35. <clears throat> so I need to get on there and look at that closer. Anyway, just trying to clear up the continued confusion with GMRS. Uh, it's kind of, it's one of those weird confusing services for, for a lot of people. Uh, it's confusing even to the people that use it on a regular basis as far as the rules and regulations because, hey, government's running it. Big surprise there. Anyway, you guys have a good one. Talk to you later. I think you hit the nail on the head. The FCC's messing with all that, all those rules and stuff, and it's very confusing. You just explained it. I'm still confused. Mm-hmm. I was actually on the FCC website as he was uh, talking about that, kind of going over the uh, GMRS licensing and, and, and stuff like that. And, and even on the FCC website, uh, they don't get specific about wattage requirements, at least as far as their personal radio services uh, outline and uh, let alone the pricing structure either. Now, I, this is all of about 90 seconds worth of research. I just haven't dug that deep, but uh, they haven't made it very easy, at least in the licensing and database. There is no GMRS uh, you know, uh, dropdown. Uh, you can go to HAM, no problem. You can go to TCNS, you know, COALS, all that sort of stuff, but no, um, no GMRS. So I don't know. The FCC is messing around with things. Yeah, I don't know that. Uh, I think maybe uh, I I said something about it being thirty five dollars, or that somebody had paid that. Uh, that somebody might, at the FCC heard you and was like, "No, we can do better than that." Yeah. So Let's I think it, it. I think it was John that has has done our uh, uh, radio contact segments in the past uh, that had sent me a message saying that it was it was now thirty five dollars, uh, and uh, you may have taken that to mean that somebody paid that. Uh, I just I was just getting information from uh, from somebody that it was the thirty five dollars. Now watch, John's going to send me a message going, I didn't send you any information about being $35. I know what the hell I'm talking about. Do you? <laughs> but that's but that's what I remember. So take that for uh, for whatever it's worth. Alexa, ask the Jeep Talk Show to play the latest episode. Welcome. You can listen to all the episodes of Jeep Talk Show, a Jeep podcast, including new episodes, as they are released. For now, you'll start with the most recent episode, but you can change by skipping forward or backward. You can even say how many episodes you'd like to skip. You must have needed this every day. I need it! It's the Deep Talk Show's must-have stuff. Pick of the week for your Jeep. Even the toughest tires can have a rough day on the trail. Sharp rocks, a jagged tree root, even something as small as a nail can leave you stranded with a flat when you least expect it. That is why Smittybilt has created a new tire repair kit designed specifically for off-road enthusiasts. It includes everything you need to mend a punctured tire of virtually any kind. This well-equipped kit comes with 30 self-vulcanizing plugs, rugged aluminum hand tools, folding knife, a pair of needle-nose pliers, extra valve stems, dual head tire pressure gauge, sidewall wire, interior tire patch, reamer tool, insertion tool, the whole nine yards. Also included is a compact soft pack that everything fits in nice and easily. It's perfect for easy stowing in a glove box, door pocket, or even under a seat. And it's ideal for any Jeep regardless of size or build. So be prepared for the unexpected. And the best thing for this thing, well, it's pretty dang cheap. It looks like a great little kit to have on board. You just need to learn how to use it. You know. Well, you look at the cost, for, you know, versus um, you know taking, uh, you know, getting a tow uh, or taking the yep. vehicle off, driving into town, you know, uh, taking it to like a Les Schwab, having them go through it, you know, all that sort of stuff. I mean, you could spend up to fifty bucks, uh, probably. You know, time and gas and you know all that other stuff. I mean, sure, you might get a tire shop to do it for you for free, uh, but there's still all that time and stuff, and your Jeep is still out mm-hmm. on the trail. So there's that. That's right. <laughs> 
So uh, unless you got a spare, you know, which obviously you should be, uh, uh, you know, rigged up with a spare and all that sort of stuff where you could take care of the, uh, uh, the flat tire another time. But if you don't have a spare, this is the kit that you need to have on your Jeep. And even if you do have a spare, uh, you know, it's better to be prepared. At least maybe somebody else might, uh, you might be able to save somebody else's day with this. At $32 uh, and, you know, free delivery. Uh, come on, yeah. man. This is a no-brainer. Oh, it's so, a good thing uh, to have. Definitely a good thing to yeah, have. Yeah, absolutely. And especially one as well-equipped as this is. So uh, there's others out there. I mean, you can go to you know Harbor Freight, uh, probably Dollar Tree even, and find some sort of a patch kit. Uh, but it's not going to be as well-equipped as this, and it's not going to be designed for the off-road. This mm -hmm. is, and it's got everything you need. And if you must have one of these for your uh, off-road world, well, we're going to make it easy for you. Just go to the JeepTalkShow.com website and look for the link in the show notes for episode 520 to get one for yourself. Are you just happy to see oh. me or is that a tire plug kit in your pocket? Oh, <laughs> well, you when I heard it. Reamer, I got, I got excited. So. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Well, let's talk carnage. Obviously, uh, you know, flat tires are one thing, but, uh, you know, when a tree root comes out and takes off your quarter panel, that's a whole nother ball of wax. What's the that's last thing that broke on your Jeep, <laughs> and how'd you fix it? That's the question we're asking around the campfire tonight. And if you're new to the show, this is the part of the episode, or part of the show, rather, where we, uh, we pull up around the campfire. We invite you, the listener, to pull up a chair Crack open a beverage, and uh, and let's just have an open discussion about whatever topic uh, comes across the fire uh, this week. And this week, we're talking carnage. So we're going to ask uh, those who have joined us tonight, to or uh, today, rather, uh, to talk about the last thing that broke on the Jeep and uh, and what you had to do to, to fix it. Obviously, if it's a trail break uh, and required a trail repair, that would be worth some bonus points. Uh, but uh, if all it was was a, a frozen lock and you squirted some WD-40 in there, well, that'll work, too. So... Uh, any story will work. Uh, we got a whole bunch of people that's around the campfire tonight, uh, so we may end up having to skip a few. But uh, that being said, uh, I want to go to um, a few of our loyal listeners here first. Travis with us tonight. Travis, uh, tell us about the last thing that broke on your Jeep and how you fixed it. You're so loud. <laughs> it is so loud. Gosh. Shut up, shut the up, last shut thing up. I broke on my Jeep is... <laughs> Good damn it, Tony. <laughs> Thanks. All right. So the last thing I broke my was my transmission. Am I talking? My transmission is out. Yeah, I'm talking. <laughs> I'm going to take it over the show. The last thing I broke my Jeep was my transmission. It's currently still in a shop for that. But previous to that was, I don't know, a lot of things broke on my NYJ. <laughs> That's um, a Jeep, if you wheel it, things break. It was yeah, definitely my transmission. I'm, yeah, wheel so, things break. Travis, I'm gonna, I'm, oh, let's elaborate on that a little bit. Was I mean, did the transmission right. just straight fall out of the Jeep, or was it something like uh, uh, your, you know, your valve body uh, kind of went bad, or is it a clutch that just worn out? Uh, how, how far did this go? Um, it's what I've been told. It's an electrical issue. Because I upgraded from my 89 YJ, I had a 4.2 six-cylinder, 4.0 in the engine in that transmission. I've upgraded, I upgraded myself personally to a 4.0 six-cylinder fuel injected. With that, that transmission out of the Cherokee, not Cherokee, excuse me, 
uh, was a Comanche I pulled the engine out of and transmission. It failed, and it was an 88 transmission. Or no, it was not an 88. I'm drunk. Bear with me. It was a 92 <laughs> Comanche engine. 92 Comanche engine transmission that I replaced, and it lasted me until a week ago. And it started slipping. When it started slipping, and I had lost first and second gear. Ooh, yeah. I took it to the shop. The shop just responded to me. It was supposed to be ready tomorrow. It's not. Or to the day this show is aired. So it's supposed to be released today. But he said, hey, no, that's not the case. We're going to have to have it. We have electrical issues. Da, da, da. I think that's all it was. Long story short, electrical issues. Potentially shorting well, my not- transmission system, so he's working on it. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not a mechanic, but I respect the ones that are. What year was it? Yeah, there's a there's no easy trail repair for for something like that. Unfortunately, 92. well, yeah. Best of luck to you there, Travis. Uh, hope that uh, gets all squared away and uh, and works for you and in the long run as well. Uh, let's go over to uh, Chris with 7slats.com. Be sure to check that out, 7slats.com. Great little blog over there. Awesome pictures uh, and good writing as well. Go check it out. Chris, last thing that broke on your Jeep, how'd you fix it? I uh, blew out a window last uh, Labor Day, so just a bit of over a year ago. Took a branch to the uh, passenger or the rear driver passenger. Um, mm-hmm. Caught the little metal trim tab there and blew the whole window out. Luckily, blew it in to the Jeep, so nothing on the trail. Nobody saw it. I didn't even see it. Uh, the vehicle in front of me didn't hit it. The Jeep right behind me didn't hit it. We stopped, and everybody's like, "What? what's going on? What are you doing? And, uh, yeah, just blew the window out. So fixed it with a garbage bag at camp that night and then uh, drove around for about a week till I found the window and put it in. Now, did you wow. have to replace the metal trim, too? Uh, oftentimes, those are a separate piece that kind of gets screwed into the, the guts of inside the door. Uh, did you have to go that far, or were you able to reuse that piece? No, no, I had that's that's really what broke. And, and maybe if I had the window down, which for some reason I didn't, it might not have taken out the whole window. But uh, it came as an assembly. That was the tough part getting it in. Oh, wow. Snaking it into the door. Um, but yeah, just uh, yeah, not not fun, not cool, but no uh, nothing on the trail. Nobody got injured, but uh, just pop. Mystery branch. That's good. Yeah, not not don't like seeing that a big pile of glass on the trail, you know, where somebody uh, kind of tipped into something or got got involved with somebody else, uh, somebody else's vehicle. That's never a good sight to see. All right, Dustin, uh, with us tonight, Dustin G. Last thing that broke on your Jeep, how'd you fix it? Um, <clears throat> last thing that broke is probably like the fuel pump. I had uh, been out in Moab there, and I fueled up at the end of the day. Go in the morning, the fuel pump's done. So. Uh, Ratchet strap it, unbolt it, ratchet strap it, and yank it out of the Jeep in the driveway. Crawl on the top, prior out. It, uh, it wasn't that fun with the fuel, full tank of fuel there, but uh, yeah, <laughs> no, dead yeah. fuel tank, right? dead fuel pump. So do you think it was uh, just mileage or maybe a bad batch of gas to plug something up? I think it was mileage. It's an old Jeep. Got lots of hours and stuff on it, and it was just lucky. A lot of use. Uh, I was down in, like I said, Moab, and I was just beating on her for two weeks straight, and it just finally gave up on me, where it usually doesn't get that much use. Well, it could have been a lot worse. You know, you could have uh, punctured that tank and uh, taken everything else out with it and had to replace the tank, too. So, you know, I suppose uh, 
you know, not all bad. And, and honestly, in the grand scheme of things, yeah, that's kind of a dirty job and it's not really easy to get to. And especially if the tank is full, that's got to suck. Uh, but, uh, but no, I mean, it's, it's not a, you know, it's not swapping out a transmission. That's for dang sure. Uh, you know, I've replaced like a rear main seal out on the, uh, out on the, uh, out on the trailer or something like that. So, uh, good story, Justin. Thanks for, thanks for sharing. John, John Lee with us tonight. John, last thing that broke on your Jeep and what'd you do about it? Um, you know, I've had the, the, the differential covers for the factory ones get, get dented up and leaked. But the last, the last thing that I actually had was my hard top got really scraped up and, you know, it's paint over fiberglass and it was all scratched down one side of it and, um, had to get it hard or rhino lined afterwards. So, um, but that was, that was, as far as trail carnage that goes, that and the differential covers, the only two things so far I've been lucky enough to really have to suffer through. And both of them were just an opportunity to upgrade, right? Got the metal cloak, uh, diff covers and then rhino line the hard top. So. So far, how, I've been lucky. How do you like the metal cloak diff covers? I've heard mixed like reviews them. on those. I actually really like them. They fit really well. I went with the lube blockers as well for the gaskets. There you go. And, there um, you go. Kind of, I didn't have any problems with the holes lining up or tightening it down or anything like that. Um, it takes a while for prep because you got to paint them. They come with that raw and then right. the coating on and everything else. But yeah. as long as you take the time and paint them, and I just did black. I didn't do anything fancy or anything. But um yeah, they were they worked well so far. No leaks, no nothing. So we yeah, have I hear uh, the lube locker. We have Jeep talk show stencils for uh, those uh, diff covers, by the way. But you have to use red. <laughs> oh, well, that's, there's no red. <laughs> on the deal breaker. All right, Stevo tonight. Stevo, what do you got as far as carnage on your Jeep? What'd you do about it? Well, the last thing I broke was my driver's side visor. Still under warranty, so just I just went over the deal, and they, they fixed it. <laughs> getting a little rambunctious when the uh, glare got too uh, too much for you. What happened? Uh, something with the JLs. Actually, I've been on the JL forums. There's a lot of people saying that there's the little metal part that goes into the uh, into the top just been busting out on them. So those are some heavy duty uh, visors too. It's like, well, you saw it, Josh. You're like thick plastic. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah no, well, I mean I. I they gotta have a good hinge behind them, and if uh, QC wasn't doing their job uh, down the uh, down that line, well, I could see how those could uh, ha- uh, those could break off pretty easy. Yeah, better than the so engine. Was the proce- yeah, right. Was the uh, was the process uh, as far as you know uh, getting warranty and all that? Uh, was it relatively painless, or was it like a you know four week process, multiple trips to the dealer, you know, all that good rot? How'd it go? Well, interestingly, I also had the same time. So on the JLs, there's been a problem where the door hinges are where the paints. Um, bubbling and rusting a little bit yeah i heard that and i i took it in at the same time and it just happened to happen when it was going in for uh the painting so they <laughs> well, had to you're in there for weeks so <laughs> exactly. yeah it was kind of there you go man don't and you that, feel like a ford bronco owner <laughs> oh no <laughs> my wheels weren't oh, going each way <laughs> wow. now, that was below the bell that was, <laughs> that was so. way below but my thirty-six thousand mile warranty just ran out so that hinge better hold <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> All right. Uh, WJ Christopher, tonight, what you got for Carnage and how did you fix it? Uh, the last thing that hey. broke was when I got it, it had a blown engine in it. So, <laughs> yeah, a couple of salvage yard trips and uh, a lot of a lot of other things. Uh, I kind of got it back on the road. And as far as I know, it's been doing pretty dang good ever since you got everything all up and running again, have you? Hasn't it? 
Yes, here here recently we had an event and I pushed it to its limits and uh, got got a little muddy. Uh, went over some rocks, did a did a rock pile, kind of a good size rocks. Uh, did some uh, teeter tottering, some other stuff that we did. It was called Okie Jeep Jam, and uh, so oh, yeah, yeah it that. really pushed its limits there to where. Now I know what I need to do to it because uh, since I just got it running, it's just been a street vehicle. And uh, I really got to test the four-wheel drive and four-low there. And um, so, yeah, I think... So what's out of, out of that test from that event, what has moved up on your short list to, uh, to the top of the list? Needs a lift and bigger tires. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> they- they but, usually do. <laughs> these vehicles may be pretty cheap, but the lift kits are not at all. No, that's well. I mean, you're dealing with four link front and rear, um, you know, and all everything that goes with all that. You know, track bars, uh, relocation brackets. Uh, you know, I mean, there's there's a lot that goes into uh, into that kind of a kit. So, I mean, especially if you're if you're going to go with anything that is you know worth its weight. Um, you know, I mean, yeah, you could probably you know throw some pucks in there. Uh, get a couple of uh, track bar relocation brackets and maybe call it good with some shocks from, you know, off the shelf somewhere. Uh, but, you know, that's not really going to get you the performance that you're looking for. You might get a little bit more clearance, but, you know, it's really not going to be much of an upgrade at all. Uh, and so go on. Are you, are you, th- are you considering long arm? Are, are you going to go that far? Uh, yeah, I kind of would. I know people don't like them, but the rough country, they seem to be doing all right. And then I can just replace what breaks or what goes out. Uh, with other really, stuff. I, honestly, I think the the most uh, issue you're going to have with that is just the rod ends, uh, and depending on how much you wheel and and what kind of uh, terrain you wheel in, um, and they're easily rebuildable. Part uh, parts aren't expensive for them. Uh, I've got several buddies who have been wheeling the living snot out of their rough country long arm kits for the better part of ten years, and that's the worst that's happened. I got one friend with a four and a half inch rough country long arm kit. That one of his uh, center section plates um, for the uh, for the long arms where the tra- transfer case mounts to one bolt kind of uh, has wallowed itself out a little bit. Uh, so we got to get creative with that. But again, after ten years, man, that's pretty good. Their uh, shock uh, quality yeah. comes and goes, so that would Shocks, be amazing. We leave a little something to be desired there, but you know, again, that's 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 something easily replaced. Um, and honestly, uh, you could probably get a rough country kit without shocks uh, if you talk to a uh, talk to a retailer uh, or you know kind of piecemeal it together. Uh, and then you know put yourself some bilsteins in there, or, you know some uh, some uh, um, metal cloaks or something. You know I don't know. There, there's a ton of uh, other shocks out there that'll uh, yeah. will definitely I, I like be better. Than I rugged. think I think it's a great starter kit. Um, and hundred uh, percent. Yeah, get the job done for if, a while. If you yeah, and then, but the, if you go into it looking looking at it like I'm gonna have to replace a few things. I'd stay away from their track bars, their um, adjustable, uh, yeah, their adjustable track bars, their heavy-duty tie rods. Uh, I, I wouldn't. I mean, if uh, frankly, if you, I don't know if Iron Man Andy handles the uh, the uh, the Grand Cherokees or not, but those things are he builds some really heavy-duty uh, stuff that that I would go go with on that. But for the the kit itself, the the long arms. I mean, if if Randy has a long arm, Andy, I'm sorry, has a long arm kit, then that would be a good way to go. But I don't think you'll have a problem with a rough country, and you can always change it later. Right. All right. Next up, we have Bill with us. Uh, Bill A, what you got for Carnage, and what you do about it? Uh, I think the last one was I was up in Hot Springs, 
doing the uh, ORV park there. And uh, while I was wheeling, I suddenly started to hear like this crazy grinding noise from one of my front wheels on there. And, uh, you know, after kind of pulling over and taking it apart, I kind of found that uh, there was a stone that had kind of gotten wedged between the rotor and like the little dust shield on the inside. And so oh, I, had to, wow. I, had, I had to go in there, pull the wheel off, pull the calipers off, pull the rotor off to, to get it out there. I couldn't get a screwdriver or anything in there to kind of get it in, you know, get it uh, wedged out of there. So I ended up having to kind of pull everything apart just to get this little, you know, stone out of there and put it all back together. Yeah. But that was about it. Those dang dust shields. I can't tell you how many Jeeps, how many times that I've pulled an axle out or something like that. I've been doing a wheel bearing or, you know, some kind of an upgrade or something. <laughs> and I get everything buttoned up together. Something, oh, crap. I something doesn't look shield. right here. What's <laughs> yeah. this part? There's, there's the dust shield sitting over there on the workbench. And it's like, ah, crap. There's another half hour worth of disassembly. <laughs> another hour's worth of work I just created for myself to, no, I've got to put that dust shield back on. So I, I think on my Jeep, uh, both dust shields aren't there anymore. I can't remember now, but yeah, that's one of those things, those those dang dust shields. Well, I'm glad it was just a rock and not uh, not something else. Anytime you're out wheeling, especially, uh, and you hear grinding noises coming, that metal on metal yeah. or uh, you know that yeah. kind of noise, that is that is nothing that you ever want to hear. Oh, I was thinking wheel bearing. That's That was my fear. Yeah, right. That was, that's where my mind went, too, was wheel bearing. All right, Chip, what's your last uh, little bit of carnage and, uh, and what'd you do to fix it? Well, that, that would be, I finally experienced death wobble um, within the last couple of weeks. I took it out oh, wheeling wow. and I was pounding. Yeah, that's an exciting thing. I've seen some people wearing t-shirts <laughs> saying, I, I survived death wobble. Now I can totally relate. <laughs> oh, shit. Anyway, um, so yeah, I, I pounded the hell out of it out at Killbuck at the Jeep Jamboree and on a thing called the ravine which was a black diamond rock infested rock garden uh with some pretty good boulders sounds fun so we're, dri we're driving home from ohio and experienced death wobble on the way home in columbus and then i was okay for a week or so i didn't drive the jeep a whole lot but then i got back in it and it had death wobble like three or four times in a row within a few miles and i immediately uh -huh. Took it to a shop and I was like, okay, let's look at this. We jacked up one side. We, you know, wiggled the wheels. We're checking it out. Definitely mm -hmm. alignment issues, but, but definitely alignment issues. And, um, and so then I scheduled it into a shop to have them look at alignment. We were looking for things that were bent. I thought, okay, so I've done a lot of upgrading on the steering and everything else. And the, the one thing I didn't do, I haven't trusted and gusted in my Dana 44 stock Rubicon axle on my front which is, I know, a weak point. So I thought, okay, I probably bent that. And one mechanic thought it was bent. And we looked at everything, couldn't see anything. I take it down and get it aligned, get the wheels rebalanced, which they were kind of out of balance. And that okay. mechanic found out that I was missing a nut off of the bolt on my track bar. Yeah, which track bar. track bar wasn't functioning. And myself, the other mechanic, we all didn't, didn't see that nut missing off the back of my track bar. So... Uh, it was so, allowing the whole bolt just to wobble back and forth in the track bar to move, right? Exactly. Yeah. It wasn't just anything. So doesn't take much I either. Getting, uh -uh. I was getting ready to order a $2,400 heavy duty front axle housing from TerraFlex. And instead oh, wow. I paid 260 bucks and got alignment, uh, balancing and all my nuts tight. 
Oh, gosh. Well, it, it all goes back to what your so wife was saying. A loose nut behind the wheel. That's incredible, man. Uh, glad it worked out that way uh, versus versus the other. Jeez, yeah. that, that's just incredible. Ter- Terraflex, so, no, is it? No, no, <laughs> right? no, no damage then, right? I mean, uh, all, all that, you know, moving around and the death wobble and stuff, I would imagine that, uh, 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 you know, a, a stud without a nut or, you know, a, a bolt hole without a... A nut on or something, you know, something know, would have wallowed out, <laughs> These are and now that sons. that mount or something, or you know, would be otherwise compromised. Uh, did you find any? Did you have to replace anything other than just maybe some hardware? Oh, I think he's gone. Bye bye. He oh, looks like he's frozen. He might have lost Greg. I think he said he had to tighten his nuts. That's what happened. Uh, <laughs> or check him. Can you not hear me now? There you are. There he is. Okay. There so, he is. so yeah, no, no, nothing was wallowed out, and. According to the mechanic that just did all that, he said, actually, surprisingly, nothing was really damaged. When I was get, when I got death wobble, I was doing 20 at one time, 30 at another time, and 40. So I wasn't uh, at highway speeds. Okay. So That's it good. was bad enough at that. But uh, yeah. Yeah. So no, apparently nothing's wa- wallowed out, which I'm still going to look and watch some things pretty close. But I'm going wheeling next week, and I'm going to be driving a few hundred miles. So we'll check it out next week and give you an update. On a future Zoom meeting. Yeah, check your nuts. Excellent. Looking for good advice. All right, moving right along, we've got uh, Jim F. with us tonight. Jim, uh, let's talk about the last thing that broke on your Jeep and what you had to do about it. Uh, well, my daily my daily driver was the last one to break. Uh, it, it was an interesting one because it was a really simple fix, but it took me over a week to fix it. I had uh, my I live off the county road and. It was washboard for about a month and uh, the caliper bracket bolt decided it wanted to find a new home and the bracket decided it was going to swing up and pinch on the dust cover and make all kinds of fun noises in the rear end. And apparently I could buy the, the caliper bracket bolt anywhere in the DFW area, but I can't buy the rear one. Seriously. I had to order from online and wait for it to come in. Wow. That's kind of nuts, man. I, I, you know, you would think that they would both be available, you know, pretty much anywhere you go. Uh, but oh yeah, I don't well, know. That's, I could drive an hour and a half weird. away to a dealership that had it. Like drive <laughs> half an hour and a half away just to pick up an, oh, man. a two two M twelve grade eight nuts. Uh, you know, at that point, I'd I'd almost just maybe go to the hardware store. Uh, I I don't know, man. That just uh, you'd think that, that something like that, as simple as that, would have been readily available somewhere. Uh, without uh, having too much of a headache. Wow, what a, what an ordeal for something so simple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the wheeling the wheeling rig was easy. It was just the zipper on the back window was the last thing that went bad. So I just put a whole new top on it, which lets me actually cool the Jeep down in the heat down here now. That's not well. I you know everything can always be worse. Uh, you know I suppose uh, it could be you know a full on break or something like that. Just uh, you know some missing hardware or something like that. Not the end of the world. Uh, but. Uh, you know, that's you know what we say. Visual inspections are, are worth their weight in gold. But I'm not sure that you know a, a visual inspection uh, ahead of time would have caught something like that. Uh, but you know, you never can tell. I think I might have uh, yeah, skipped was, over Greg. Oh, go go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry, Jim. It, it w- I think it might have partially been my fault because I had just been in that 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 uh, area to redo the uh, the axle seal, and I just pressed it back on, and I didn't I did not use thread locker. Oh. Yeah, that can uh, that can bite you in the butt. You know, there's there's times and place to use it, and there's times and place you definitely don't want to use it. But when you need to use it uh, and it's required, uh, there's usually a good reason for it. 
Well, as much as I'd like to call on everybody around the campfire tonight, we are uh, woefully over time and uh, and are going to have to cut this short. So I could talk carnage all day long. This is one of those ones we might have to spend an entire show just doing an open uh, open format discussion about this and that and the other thing. And I think carnage would be one of those ones we could tell some stories about. So if you are interested in joining the campfire, uh, we highly encourage you to do so. New uh, new uh, uh, listeners and new names always kind of try and go to the front of the list. I know I skipped over a lot of people. A lot of people around the campfire tonight. Uh, I'm going to have to uh, say sorry to all you guys. But big thanks to everybody who joined us. Uh, shouts out, go out to Chris, Dustin, John, Steve-O, uh, Christopher, of course, Bill, Chip, Greg. Sorry, I couldn't call on you, Greg. Uh, Jim as well, Larry. Uh, we got Josh here with us. Travis, who uh, started everything off. And then Andrew, I'm sorry I didn't get to Andrew. And Bob, two cheap Jeep guys, uh, always a staple here around the campfire. I'm sorry I couldn't get to some of you guys. Maybe next time. Uh, and if you'd like to join in on the campfire side chat, uh, usually it's not quite so hectic and we have a little bit more time, uh, but it's very easy to do. Uh, the best way to go about getting in on the campfire side chat for the next episode of the Jeep Talk Show is to follow us on Facebook, or you can even receive notifications via our newsletter. And it's very easy to sign up for that newsletter. Just go over to jeeptalkshow.com contact. You're going to find out all the information about the Jeep Talk Show, how to reach out, how to connect, all that sort of stuff. You're going to find a link there to click and sign up for that newsletter. And it's just as easy to unsubscribe as it is to subscribe. Well, that's it for the show for this week, my fellow Jeeper. Until next week, be sure to see what we're doing on TikTok. And as always, thank you for listening to the world's most downloaded Jeep podcast. And remember, let's go, Brandon. <laughs> I saw that as the uh, episode title. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> I've guessing since 2010.